when I was first coming out about my stuttering, there was a girl that I really liked, H H Hannah, and H's have always been the worst. This was before cell phones, before caller ID, and she lived in a house with seven other people. So for me to call her, like the likelihood of her answering the phone was slim. I couldn't say her name. I really liked her. I was super nervous. So I never called her. Um, and one day I finally did, and I apologized for never calling. And I let her know why. I said, you know, H's are really hard, and it's hard for me to say her name. Um, and she said, oh, that's okay. I think it's hot. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, she, she totally thought my stuttering was hot. <laughs> that's amazing. I yeah. love that. I'm Maya Chupkov, and I'm a woman who stutters. I'm Cynthia, and I know nothing about stuttering. And this is Proud Stutter, a podcast about changing the conversation about stuttering and embracing verbal diversity in an effort to change how we talk about it, one conversation at a time. Welcome back, everyone, to Proud Stutter. We have a very special guest today for this episode. Um, it's someone that we've been wanting to talk to since we began this podcast. Today we have Bailey Levis. He is a speech language pathologist at the San Francisco Speech and Fluency Center. Bailey, welcome. Thank you, Cynthia and Maya. It's, um, it's so great to be here. I'm um, really excited for what you guys are doing with Proud Stutter, and um, I'm honored to be here today. So in previous episodes, we talked a lot about uh, speech therapists and about how they can be helpful for people who stutter. And so we're really excited to have this conversation today. And I also am really excited to talk with Bailey because not only is he a speech language pathologist, but he's also a person who stutters. And looking back, I wish that my speech therapist also had a stutter so then they could really understand where I was coming from. I think it would have been a lot more of a positive experience for me. We've certainly gotten a lot of comments asking for uh, guests who stutter. So you called and we responded. <laughs> That's great. I love talking about speech therapy and about how I support people who stutter and really helping people to become proud of their stutter. So that's, you know, it's one of the things I think is so great about this podcast that you guys are really focusing on, um, on that pride. And that's such an important part of the journey for people who stutter. And we spoke to my mom and this topic came up about how speech therapy has evolved since I took it. I took it around 20 years ago. And I know that the speech therapy sector has really um, started or has incorporated acceptance as a big part of their practice. So I'm just really excited to dive in. I'm curious to know more about you and your stuttering journey. Yeah, well, uh, I, 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 I could talk all day about this. I've been stuttering since I was somewhere between four and six years old. So it's, it's something that's been with me for, you know, essentially my whole life. Um, and I was very covert for a lot of my, um, you know, certainly for my entire youth and a lot of, you know, into my early adulthood. Um, and that started to shift. I started to, um, sort of come out about my stuttering in my mid twenties and that, um, eventually led me to where I am now doing speech therapy and, um, you know, having this private practice where I'm working almost exclusively with 
people who stutter. And um, so I feel very blessed that I've been able to 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 take this challenge of stuttering and turn it into something very positive in my life. I'm also curious to know, since you have had a stutter since you were young, like me, when in your life did you decide you wanted to be a speech therapist and specialize in stuttering? That's a really good question. It definitely came to to me later in life. Um, I guess to give a little bit more background, um, before becoming a speech therapist, I uh, I was a scientist. I was doing genetic research on stuttering. So I was actually in a PhD program studying brain and language and genetics and how all of these things relate to stuttering. And at some point I realized that the day-to-day life of being a research scientist wasn't what I wanted to do. So I, 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 I left the PhD, took a master's degree, moved back to the Bay Area where I, where I, where I grew up. And um, I was actually standing in line at a pub and an acquaintance who's a teacher asked me some questions about stuttering. She had a student in her class. And in that moment, I realized this is what I want to do. I, I want to support people who stutter. I had asked myself the question for many years, why do I stutter? You know, I felt cursed because of the stutter. And so I was really wondering, what are the causes of stuttering? And that's how I got into the science. And then I had this um, sort of epiphany where I realized that the question I was actually asking when I was asking myself, why do I stutter, is what is my purpose? What's my purpose here in this lifetime? You know, stuttering isn't something that we can, you know, for, you know, for most of us as adults, we're, we're going to have to, you know, face our stuttering and manage it for our entire lives. But we don't have to let it stop us from living our lives to our fullest. I noticed that for people who stutter, to when they're describing their stutter and when they're describing the feelings around their stutter, they use a lot of words that are quite they're quite heavy. Um, so you just said right now you felt like you had a curse. Mm-hmm. Um, we we read some posts on Reddit where people said they were petrified or mm-hmm. terrorized, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and to mm-hmm. me, I'm like, wow, that is that is so much emotion that I just can't imagine. That's that's hidden beneath the surface, and yeah. and I feel like I've seen it over and over and over. These words that we don't really use that much in everyday life because right. we're rarely petrified. We rarely feel like we're cursed. So um, I'm curious about the students that you work with and, mm-hmm. and how this affects them, this fear. Yeah. And, you know, it, it affects, you know, not just the, you know, the students, but the adults I work with. And, you know, sometimes it, it affects the adults e- e- even more because they have a whole lifetime of these feelings that have been, uh, these feelings and experiences that have been sort of building up. I was on a Facebook Live with my boss, and we were doing a live about this new program I'm starting. I told my boss before in our prep that I probably was going to stutter, and I knew a lot of people that I admired and respected were going to be tuning in. And in that moment, even though I've done so much work, I still felt that fear of being misjudged by the people that I really respect. And so I disclosed that I had a stutter in the beginning and I felt so much better after that. Like it still does impact my confidence at work, but finding a job and a boss and colleagues that accept my stutter and accept me is something that I'm just so grateful for. And I know not every workplace is like that. 
um, you know, they're like in my, some of my previous jobs, I would get a lot of negative feedback at work for stuttering because my, my previous, um, colleagues would think I didn't prepare um, enough. And so that really was just so like mentally, like I just felt so incompetent. That's when I really want, like hate my stutter the most is when I think that it might get in the way of my future success. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think this is such a common experience. You know, it um, stuttering robs our confidence. It, um, you know, it definitely gets in the way of, um, you know, of our careers and the kind of jobs we think we can do or, you know, that we feel like we should be able to do or shouldn't do. And, um, you know, I hear, you know, all the time from um, from adults who stutter who feel, you know, who've said similar things, Maya, about, you know, they think that because I'm stuttering that I'm not well prepared and I'm not doing my job well enough. And, you know, then that kind of, it all spins out of control. For me, when I was younger, it impacted the classes I would take in college, I would drop classes if I had to give 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 a presentation. Um, I didn't really date much because I was afraid of stuttering, and what I was afraid that is that they would think I'm stupid. I can totally relate to that. There was this public speaking class that one of my favorite professors was teaching senior year. Of, of college and I really wanted to take it and I signed up and everything and then I dropped out the last minute and my teacher's like oh why did you drop out like he really wanted me to take it and I was like oh like it kind of flicks with like another class but I was just my like I was just like I was so excited and then this voice in my head was like I just don't want to go through the emotional <laughs> roller coaster of having to like public speak like literally every twice a week you know i i i know a lot of people who stutter who join toastmasters and they find it incredibly help helpful um as far as you know improving some of their their public speaking skills and a lot of it is their comfort you know and a lot of it again is um it's, you know, like, what are the thoughts that we have about ourselves in those situations? And what are the stories that we tell ourselves? You know, do we tell ourselves, you know, it's too hard, I can't do it. Or, you know, if I stutter, they'll think I'm not prepared and they'll think I'm not smart. Um, you know, and so shifting, you know, being able to shift those thoughts, um, you know, again, is um, it's an important part of, of, uh, of our journeys. And, you know, when I... When I have clients come to me, you know, with, say a similar, you know, situation about dropping a class or, you know, the fear or the challenges, in my mind, I'm thinking this is fantastic. Like, what a great opportunity to work on tolerating the discomfort of stuttering, to work on stuttering proudly, and, um, you know, what a great way to, you know, to really face the fears and face the challenges, and and and, and that's, I think that's really what. Um, I don't know, in my, in my mind, that's what stuttering therapy is about. It's about identifying uncomfortable situations and helping people to be comfortable in those uncomfortable situations. And, um, you know, I feel like 
the, the, the disability of stuttering isn't getting a little bit stuck on a word, but it's all the ways that we don't participate. And it's all the things that we uh, uh, avoid doing in our lives or the things that we uh, avoid saying. That's the disability. And, you know, it can impact what we order when we, you know, order food or drinks at restaurants. It can really be pervasive, you know. I mean, I still don't really like going to parties where I don't know people. You know, I'll do it. But um, I'm also very good at coming up with excuses <laughs> for not going. So it's, you know, it can really impact all aspects of our lives. And the confidence piece is such a big part of it. Yeah, changing your order because of a stutter. I, I never thought about something like that. It's, yeah, it, it just seems very consuming if you don't, if you don't kind of take a hold of it and say, you know, this is something that I have and, and be proud of it. That makes me think of a TikTok, actually, that I recently saw. Th this young woman, I forget her name, but we'll include the um, clip in the, the show notes. Um, she does a fabulous job of spreading awareness of stuttering by taking video clips of her day-to-day -day life with a stutter. And one of the clips is about her ordering. The first thing she said to the drive through person is, this is this might take a long time, so just bear with me. Um, so she really makes it very accessible for people to understand what it's like for a person who stutters. Yeah, ordering a drive-through is just, uh, incredibly hard for many people who stutter. Yeah, it's hard and it stirs up a lot of emotions. And I have you know I have adults crying during our sessions, you know, because it, it's it's hard. And um, but that's 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 where the work is, and and from from there, that's where the success comes. And um, it's powerful, and it's 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 great work. I think maybe one of the reasons why stuttering is so misunderstood is because of all the people who are able to overcome the challenge of having a stutter. I just remember when we were announcing Proud Stutter, I got a lot of messages that were saying, um, you know, oh, like, you know, I used to have a stutter, but, you know, it's so easy. You just go to, um, a, you know, you just go to a speech therapist and you can get rid of it super easily. And it's like, okay, well, you know, there, there's a lot of people who can't do that. And if that is the attitude that you have as a person who used to stutter, then you're misunderstanding the challenges that are that are built up over time, over a lifetime. That's also a dominant narrative that we see in a lot of media is this narrative of overcoming. Like a lot of um, celebrities, our president, you know, like the first um, first person who comes to mind is Emily Blunt. There's a lot of articles about her and how she's overcome her stuttering and now she's this huge stuttering advocate, which I think is great. But that isn't the only narrative, and that narrative really does overpower a lot of the other narratives that are more that are more widespread. Many people who stutter do not identify with the overcoming narrative. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Maya. Is that you know there are a lot of public figures who talk about stuttering. You know, Emily Blunt. Joe Biden, you know, maybe we'll see him, you know, have some mild stutters here and there. Um, Ed Sheeran stutters, James Earl Jones, who played Darth Vader. 
uh, Bruce Willis, Marilyn Monroe, like these are all actors and actresses who, who, who stutter, who've talked about their stutter, yet we don't necessarily see them stuttering, you know, in the public light, you know, being successful, being highly successful, right? So what, what message does that send? It sends the message that you can be successful if you don't stutter anymore or if you overcome the stutter. And, um, you know, like you said, Maya, I think it's great that we have these public figures who are really advocating for it, you know, and for, for people who, who still stutter, you know, very overtly, um, it's not all, all, always easy to connect with some of those public figures. Yeah, it's definitely important to have a role model growing up when you have a stutter. Um, Bailey, did you have anyone that you, you spoke to growing up that also had a stutter or, or faced similar challenges to you? I, I, I didn't. So I, um, stuttering, we didn't talk about stuttering, you know, as a child or you know, even until my mid-20s. That's when I started talking about it with my family. At that time, my mom had let me know that my grandfather also had a stutter. And I had no idea. I hadn't known about that until I was probably 25 years old. And um, I, I, I had very mixed emotions. On the one hand, I was, it was exciting to know like, oh, here's someone, you know, who, who, who understands this challenge. And I was angry at my parents for not having shared that with me sooner because I, I, I had felt alone. Interestingly, once I started to talk more openly about my stutter, I started to meet more people who stutter just kind of randomly. Um, and, and that was, that was really important for me, you know, to, 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 to meet other people who stutter and to be able to feel like, you know, my fear of the telephone isn't some crazy random phobia that it's like, it's a thing that people who stutter experience. I was like, okay, so this is normal. I haven't heard anyone say telephone in a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I, I, you know, you're, you're laughing, Cynthia, as you talk about it, but yeah, you know, back in the olden days, um, that, that, that's what, what, what we would do. We would, you know, pick up the receiver off the, off the phone. It would make that dial tone. I don't and, believe you. I know, right? Um, and, you know, I mean, I am so old that we even had one of the rotary dial phones. <laughs> no way. Oh, yeah, way, way. Um, <laughs> I know, it's, yeah, it's so interesting, you know, like on one of the assessment tools I use, you know, they ask about, um, and they ask this to kids, like seven, eight, nine-year-old kids, even teenagers, like, you know, is it hard for you to talk on the phone? And I'm thinking, what seven-year-old actually talks on a phone anymore? Yeah, I talk to my students um, every week, and they all say, "Can you please just text me?" They're yeah. they're all they're all really scared of having a conversation on the phone. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's scary for us, you know, as people who stutter. You know, Maya, I don't know if you, if you've had the same fear, but yeah, talking on the phone for someone who stutters is a. I mean, I don't know. I have no idea what it's like as a young kid who's so used to texting, but um, that, that was a that was probably one of my biggest fears until my mid-20s was talking on the phone. Yeah, I I definitely avoided the phone as well. And I wanted to touch on when you talked about your grandfather and finding out that he also had a stutter because I, I also had a grandfather that stuttered. And 
um, this came up in the interview with my mom and she said that my grandfather and I talked about my stuttering, but I don't remember that. <laughs> and I, it may be because it's like a suppressed memory just cause I always just tried to never think about my stutter cause it was too painful. Um, so, so yeah, that was, that, that was interesting because I know there's a lot of research that shows um, stuttering is tied to genetics. When I was at UC Santa Barbara with Cynthia, um, I think this was junior year, my third year at UCSB, and I found out that UCSB had a speech and hearing, um, speech and hearing program. And then I started thinking about, oh, how cool would it be if I went into speech pathology? Like, that would be so awesome to help other people who stuttered too. And I got so excited. I set up a meeting with the chair of the program, and I was telling him about how excited I am that I discovered this program, and I would love to minor in it. And, you know, maybe even after school, go to speech pathology school. And we were talking and then I brought up later in the conversation that I had a stutter. It wasn't very, it was a covert stutter. And he was like, oh, um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I would not r recommend you go into speech pathology because your clients might, you know, see that you still have a stutter and it might have them think that, that they can never get, get rid of it. And so after that meeting, I just felt so discouraged. I cried and I was like, my stutter is just blocking me from all these opportunities. And yeah, my dream of being a speech therapist died in that office. I'm so sorry to hear that, Maya. It's, um, you know, I, um, I'm really sorry that, that he said that. It's, um, it is absolutely false. It's 100% false. You know, I, I, I have a lot of speech therapy, you know, speech therapist colleagues who, who have, you know, quite pronounced stutters and, um, and they're very good at their jobs. And I, I, I think to the con contrary, you know, my experience as a speech therapist who stutters and who is, um, you know, really focusing on this in my career, that people want to work with me because I stutter, and, and uh, like you were saying at the outset, Maya, that you know having someone who understands the experience is 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 really helpful. And so I I get a lot of clients um, who they they want to work with me over someone else, you know, in large part because I I I get it. I I understand the challenge and. You know, again, like, you know, as I was saying a bit ago, it's not about, you know, like getting rid of the stutter. That's not the goal. And, you know, this is, you know, sort of bringing in like the neurotypical, you know, movement, you know, stuttering is, it's just a, it's just another way of talking and it's not something that's broken and that needs to be fixed. So, you know, the goal in, in, in stuttering therapy, you know, in my work anyhow, isn't to help people get rid of the stutter because I can't do that. You know, I can't make it go away. I can't 
Um, I can't, you know, help people decide when they do or don't stutter or how severe the stutter is going to be in that moment. We don't have control over some of those things because there are differences in the brain. You know, so I, I, I help people also to recognize, like, what, what does success in speech therapy look like? And certainly stuttering more easily is part of it. But Maya, if you want to be a speech therapist, um, you can totally do it. And it's such a great career. There's so many wonderful things <laughs> that, that, that we can do in this field. Never a dull moment. <laughs> stuttering more easily. I love that. I think that should be our new tagline. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I think um people tend to forget the therapy part of speech therapist and they just focus on the speech. Yeah, a lot of the work that I do, you know, I do a lot of counseling based work. You know, I I I incorporate a lot of things from the psychotherapy world and most people who are specializing in stuttering are doing that. You know, so uh, you know, so there really has been this shift and um and again, you know, the neurotypical movement and the acceptance piece um as as i feel like is vital you know i i have clients sometimes i have clients who come in and they don't want to work on that they feel like no i'm fine with everything i just don't want to stutter anymore it's like well you know okay we can try i can teach you some quote-unquote fluency strategies and likely you'll be able to use them in our therapy sessions but it'll be really hard outside of therapy and you'll get frustrated and you won't be making the progress you want to make and you'll feel like you know, I'm not good enough, or I'm not trying hard enough, or I need to practice more. And, you know, in my mind, that's not what it's about. So my last question for you, Bailey, is what advice would you give eight-year-old Bailey now that you have reached this part of your journey? I would have told him, you're not alone. Um, you know, you're not a freak. You're not a weirdo. It's going to be okay. Um, you know, you will be happy. You will be successful. Uh, you will get married. <laughs> that was a big fear of mine is that, you know, I, I won't be able to ask someone to marry me or I won't be able to say I do when I'm, you know, when I'm at the altar. Um, yeah, you can do this. You don't need to be afraid. I'm here for you. Oh, that made me tear up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that is so cute. <laughs> and that's it for this episode. I'm Maya. And I'm Cynthia. And you've been listening to Proud Stutter. This episode of Proud Stutter was produced by me, Maya Chupkov. And edited by me, Cynthia Chin. Our music was composed by Augusto Denise and our artwork by Mara Ezekiel and Noah Chupkov. If you have an idea or want to be part of future episodes, find us on Twitter at ProudStutter. You can also find us at www.proudstutter.com. Drop us a note or share a voice memo. What's your stuttering story? What topics would you like us to cover? And what are you curious about? And if you like the show... You can leave us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. More importantly, tell your friends to listen too. Until we meet again, thanks for listening. Be proud and be you. Be you.